Well, good evening. Isn't it good to be here tonight? All right. Well, we're going to receive our tithes and offerings, and then we're going to hear the Word of God, okay? You know, a couple Sundays ago, it was Mother's Day. And, you know, that's the day that um, we get to honor our moms. We get to thank them for all that they've done for us. And I was around here in the um, fellowship hall, and one of my grandchildren comes up, and they hand me a rose. And they said, Happy Mother's Day. I said, Thank you so much. And I put it on top of the counter. And then about a couple minutes later, another grandchild comes up and hands me another rose, because I think the roses were like a dollar. Thank you so much. And I put it on the counter. And then a third grandchild, I have 10. So a third grandchild comes up, and he's got a rose. But at this point, my three-year-old granddaughter is standing there, and she's seen all these roses coming at me. So she starts reaching for the rose, because she wants to give me the rose. And then my grandson gives me the rose, and she gets all upset, because she wants to give the rose. So I reached over, and I grabbed a rose, and I gave it to her. And then she hands it to me. She goes, I love you, Grandma. And I just looked at that. You know, like, she, it didn't matter to her where that rose came from. She wanted to give. There is something in her heart that was learning from her cousins that wants to give. And it brought her joy. And that's the same thing with us. God created us to be givers. We're created in his likeness and in his image. And God is a giver. And so when we give, it releases joy in us. Because we get to say to God, I love you, God. I want to give. So as we give our tithes and offerings, Yes, we're giving to God. But what God does with that is he takes it, he blesses it, and he turns it around, and he uses it to give to the world. Would you bow your heads? And let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you so much. First off, that we're called by your name. Secondly, that we're created in your image. And because we're created in your image, we get to give. And so, Lord God, as we bring our tithes, as we bring our offerings to you, Would you receive them, Lord? Would you use them to bless others and to carry out your word and your blessings to this world that needs you? We pray this all in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Can we say thank you to Pastor Marshall with 10 grandchildren? Oh, my goodness. 10. I'm on three. So if I ever get to 10, pray for me. Actually, if I get to four, pray for me. Well, tonight we're continuing our series talking about this summer celebration. And when summertime hits, isn't it just full of celebration? Like there are a lot of, yeah, even that, just celebrating the fact that we're alive and well. At the same time, we are all in different areas of life. For some people, especially right now in Pune, there's no celebration as as far as what is happening. But there is with what's happening in the community. In other words... We don't celebrate when things go bad, but we do celebrate when people rise up when things go bad. And tonight, we want to celebrate people. God is in the, he's in that that business, as it were. I, I guess I can use that word, but God is in the business of celebrating people. God doesn't celebrate when things go bad. God doesn't celebrate when uh, people weep or go through mourning. God doesn't celebrate when people go through hardships. And tragedy strikes. He doesn't celebrate that. But he does celebrate life. And he celebrates eternal life. In fact, God gave us his one and only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life, eternal life. So God gives us eternal life and a reason to celebrate. 
And if not for what Jesus has done, we would not be able to celebrate as people. So this phrase, celebrate people, in that context can mean so many different things. But we're going to liken it to how God celebrates people. That he celebrates people for who they are, who they are becoming. That God is creating us and has created us to become more and more like him. And what happened from the very beginning when he created us is that we rebelled against God. We rebelled against him. So now we have this sinful nature inside of us that you and I have been born with. That's automatic. Now, yes, it's not our fault and kind of like, oh, bad deal from Adam and Eve. We just inherited all of that. But then God gave us Jesus Christ so that we could still find eternal life through his spirit. So even though things may not have gone according to how we would want it, God still has a plan and a purpose for all of us. In the book of Luke, we find that there are numerous accounts where Jesus is challenged with so many different questions. And when he's challenged with these questions, we're going to find that people would often ask Jesus the kinds of questions that had to do with eternal life, the kingdom of heaven, and people or individuals. And when they asked Jesus these questions, they were asking valid questions. They weren't just asking questions to test him. They were asking valid questions because they were curious. Now, some people tested Jesus. And in this case, this person is testing Jesus. And if you have your Bibles, turn to the book of Luke, uh, chapter 10. And if you have the church app, then you can turn to Luke chapter 10. And in Luke chapter 10, it's amazing what kind of question is being asked to Jesus. And not because it's a question of what do I do with my life, but it's a question that I think we all have from time to time. And it's a question that if we don't know how to answer, then we won't know how to live. And if we don't know how to live, then we pretty much just exist. And what kind of life is that if we just exist? In this series that we're talking about, the summer celebration, the reason why we're talking about people is because during this summertime, you're going to be around a lot of people. Mainly, if you have children, they're going to be at home with you. So we need to be prepared, armored up with the armor of God just for our children. Now, not just with our children because maybe people are going to visit. Maybe you might travel. Uh, maybe you're, 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 you have a vacation and you're going somewhere. Maybe you're going to go to a hotel and, you know, you're hanging around the pool and there are people around, customer service and all of that. So you may be encountering situations that you're normally not used to as you are Monday through Friday with your normal schedule. So let's not go into summer thinking oh, everything's going to run smoothly just as it always has been. Things will change. If you're going to uh, get married, have a baby, someone moves in, someone moves out, you get a raise, you don't get a raise, or you lose your, your job, or you get another job. Like All of these things are right before us in our distant future. So if we don't get prepared for it, we're going to be blindsided. This person that comes up to Jesus in Luke chapter 10 asks Jesus a question. And he was an expert in the law. And it's in verse 25, Luke chapter 10, verse 25. It says, on one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus asks him a question. Isn't it true that when, when we read the Bible, people ask Jesus a question, he asks them a question. And he does it for a specific reason. He's trying to bring out of them 
what they're understanding rather than just, well, here's the answer. He wants to, he wants to see from what understanding they're coming from. So he says, well, what is written in the law? He replied, how do you read it? And so he answered, well, it says to love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. It can almost sound contradictive when, when the Bible says love your neighbor as yourself. Wow, I thought we were supposed to be selfless. I thought we weren't supposed to be selfish. I thought we were supposed to be uh, uh, givers and people who want the best for others and, and think of others higher than you ought to think of yourself. I thought that's what it was about, but why would Jesus say love your neighbor as yourself? It almost sounds contradictive. No, what, what Jesus wasn't saying is put yourself in such a lowly place when he says to deny yourself. He, does, he, doesn't, he doesn't mean to put yourself in such a devalued position and, and posture that you're less than. He's saying, no, no, no. When I say to deny yourself, what I'm saying is exalt me to where you're loyal even more to me than you are to yourself. So there's a context to that. So by the time Jesus says this, and, and he's saying, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself, then it has more to do with how we're loving other people, not how we're loving ourselves. And how we love other people is determined by how we love God. That's why when he said, uh, what is the most important commandment? It almost sounds like there's one. He's asking, what is the most, just give me one, Jesus. And then Jesus says, well, you love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Like there are two in one. I would, I would think the, this expert of the law would say, wait a minute, I asked you what is the most important one. Out of those two, what is the most important one? You know what Jesus was doing? He was letting this man know that there, it is not separate. That this is all inclusive. It's all in one. You love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And you love your neighbor as yourself. That is the most important commandment of them all. It's all in one. The two are one. And so now this man is wondering, okay, so, so where do I go with this? Well, Jesus answered and he said, well, in verse 28, you have answered correctly. Jesus replied, do this and you will live. Do this and you will live. You, you, you have life. You have eternal life. You, if you do this, then it's like everything else will fall into place. He said it in Matthew 6, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then all these things will be added unto you. It's like everything we do and who we are is founded on who we are in Jesus Christ. John chapter 15 tells us that Apart from Jesus, we can do absolutely nothing. Nothing. We can do nothing. He's the vine. We're the branches. And so when Jesus speaks in this context, he's saying, I, I'm, just, I'm making it very simple for you. It starts with loving God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and then loving your neighbor as yourself. See, this lawyer, this, this expert in the religious law can sometimes be us. We know what to say because he's an expert in the law. He knows what to say. In fact, he would recite this prayer every single day. It was part of their religious belief. As Jews, they would say these words, the Shema. And they would say these words 
Hear, O his Israel, the Lord thy God, he is one. Love the Lord thy God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. In fact, he's, he's quoting Deuteronomy chapter 6. And he's saying, this is, this is what I've known all my life, but that's, so what are you saying to me, Jesus? He says, well, do this and then you will live. He didn't say, recite this and then you will live. He said, you do this and then you will live. There's a reason why Jesus asked him that question and wanted to kind of bring that out of him when he said, well, how do you read it? How do you recite it? He said, what, what perspective are you coming from? Because I want to know where, where, where you're at. Because in order to know where you're going to go, you have to know where you're at. And if, and if all you're doing is reciting this, this prayer, and it's a part of just a religion, and you're not doing the, what, you're, what you're praying, then all you're doing is reciting. And that's when Jesus corrected the Pharisees. He says, you, you know everything about the law. You tithe. You do everything. But your hearts are so far from me. You, you actually are full of dead men's bones. The outside is perfect. I mean, it's, it's nice. You clean the outside, but inside is, is empty. You're like whitewashed tombs. You look good on the outside, but the inside is just, it's full of dead, men bo- dead men's bones. And so when he's speaking this to this person who is an expert in the religious laws, he's also bringing some clarity, some adjustments, some alignment with him he said no you're saying you're 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 saying it correctly but if you do these things you're you're gonna live if not you're you're going to be walking a crooked life according to my standard you're going to be walking not in my way but you're just going to be going through the motions as it were and he was giving this man like an adjustment any of you ever had an adjustment like chiropractic if you went to the yeah so if you're if you're all crooked you go to the chiropractor and then he'll check your spinal alignment, and then he'll say, like, L1, L2, all these different letters and numbers. Okay, uh, I don't know these terms, but I think there's, like, a lumbar thingy there. There's, a, there's your, your neck, right, the C3, C4, your vertebrae. And so they're, they're going to adjust these things, and, and they'll crack it into place. They'll align it into place. Now, there's a sharp pain, but then now you're in alignment. And many times, if you have a sore hip or sore leg, you don't adjust your hip or your leg, you adjust your back. Like there's something else going on beneath the surface that's going to make you stand up right. And this is what Jesus is doing with this lawyer, this, this, this smart man who knows the laws. He's saying, you, you, you got it right, but I got to adjust this here and there. And once you get this, now you're going to live. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. And so the question becomes, okay, so where does that leave us, Lord? Where where do we go from here? Because if you're saying in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 5, if you're saying to us that we are to live this out, which is where the the lawyer brought this out, the expert in religious law, where he brought this out of in Deuteronomy, Jesus is saying if, if, if this is what needs to be understood, then you're going to be able to see where you need to go. Not just with me, but then with other people. And so when the lawyer recites Deuteronomy 6.5, he starts off with, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. 
talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. God was saying, this is, you, you, in other words, in everything you do, don't forget who I am. And don't forget who you are. And don't forget to love me with everything you have. And then to love other people just as much as you love yourself. Then don't forget about that. But they took it literally, so they would put all of these things all over them, the phylacteries. They would put that on top of them. They would have them on their robes. They would have them on their foreheads, even still today. But he's saying, but it's, what Jesus was saying is it's not, how do you read it? Because if it's, if it's only exterior, then there's not going to be any motion after that. Then it just becomes ritual and something that you practice, but you don't follow through with it. So he says, I, I, I need you to understand something. That it, it, would see, it would seem as if Jesus is saying, when you love your neighbor as yourself, and that you're denying yourself, and lifting me up, the, the automatic reaction is you will have a greater love for people because you're created for relationship. So if you're loving me and loving people as you love yourself, there is a relational connection that takes place. And we, we love people in different ways. We'll show people in different ways. Sometimes we buy them a gift. I know there's this book called The Five Love Languages by Gary, Chap Gary Chapman. Yeah, Gary. Uh, Smalley. Yeah, Gary Chapman is the worship guy. Uh, I think his first, they're both Gary. So Gary, the guy Gary, uh, wrote this book. It's called The Five Love Languages. And everyone has a love language, gift-giving, time. Uh, I don't know the other three because it's probably my two. Uh, access service. What else, Drew? Affirmation. Physical touch, ding, 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 ding. It's like you guys win. <laughs> so you must know your love language. It is good to know your love language. So we show our love in different ways. But what Jesus does is he gives a foundation and he says, unless you know this, all these aren't going to matter because you're going to go through the motions. And if it's not done with this love, then the celebration of people is not really a celebration of people. It's actually going to be a celebration of self. Because here, O Israel, the Lord thy God is one. What he was saying is, there is only one God. And what you need to do is hear what I'm saying. There is only one God. And if we don't, if we don't love one, this God, then we're going to have a difficult time loving people, much less celebrate people. When, when Jesus says, when he, when he gives this expert of the law, this, the question of, hey, how do you read it? Basically, what he was doing was letting the guy know, you need to go back to where you're coming, where, where you're bringing that scripture from. Where, where, are you, where are you bringing that from? He says, well, it's coming from Deuteronomy. How does it start? It starts with, hear, O Israel. Okay, stop right there. That word hear is the word shema. Hear, O Israel. And that word shema means to listen and obey. In fact, there was not one word in the Hebrew, uh, ancient Hebrew, that, that meant to obey and listen. It, it was only, it was together. They were not separate words. So when Jesus said Shema, he, what he was saying is, 
there are two of them together. There is listen and obey together. So when God says, okay, hear, O Israel, he's saying listen and obey. Well, can we just listen? No. What if we just obey? You need both. You need both of them to be put together. And unless you listen and obey, you're going to be like what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 15, verse 7. Jesus said, you're, you're hypocrites. Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you, that these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are merely human rules. And Jesus called the crowd to him and said, listen and understand. So when Jesus says, love your neighbor as yourself, here's what we learn. And we're going to look at three principles that we can learn when Jesus says, love your neighbor as yourself. Here's what we learn in celebrating people. The first thing is this, that everything we do here at this church is attached to a soul. Everything we do is attached to a soul. I remember when, when I first came to this church, I was, excuse me, I have to put this in the back, bothering me. When I came to this church, I remember we would print bulletins. And we still print bulletins, but when I first came to this church, I remember having these black and white bulletins. And it was beautifully done, but you could see the, the, the pasting, like the copy and, copy and paste, but not copy and paste like computers. It was actually copy and paste. So you would have a piece of paper, and then you would get another piece of paper. You would cut that out because there was like a, for a ministry and what's happening and the dates. You would take that out, and you would cut it out, put glue on it, paste it. Make another copy of something else, cut that out, cut and paste. So that's where we got the term cut and paste from with our computers today because we literally did that back in the day in the you know, caveman days. We put that there. So once they got everything in place, then they would take that one draft or that final, put it on the copy machine, and then print the final. So when we got that as attending the church, it was, it was done the best way that they could at that time, and it was done very well. Now, if you bring that back today, people might be thinking, what is this? Why, why is it, like, I can't even read that, it's kind of, it's a little blurry. It's a, it's a little bit, it's a little crooked. For some of us who are like that, you know, we're so, everything has to be precise. You would look at it and say, it's, it's crooked. Look, this, this, this paragraph here is crooked. This one is crooked. This doesn't even match up. I and mean, what size font is this? Like, I think we would do that. But that one bulletin was created by someone who would look at that piece of paper and actually in their hearts say, Lord, I'm going to do the very best that I can with what I have with all of my heart because someone's soul is attached to this. My hope, Lord, is not for this to look spectacular and someone says, wow, that's so nice, and throw it away. My hope was that someone would say, wow, I would want to get involved with that. I want to be a part of that small group. I want to I be a part of that Bible study, that prayer group. I'll sign up. And then the hope is that people draw closer to the Lord. So everything we do is done in such a way that it is connected to a soul. The seats that we sit on, when we purchased these, it wasn't so that we could have comfortable seats. Imagine coming from work to an air-conditioned building with comfortable seats and you're tired. What is the result? You sleep. So 
Obviously, the chairs wasn't so that it would be comfortable enough for people to sleep. It was so that we could invite people to church in the hopes that they find Jesus Christ. These chairs are attached to someone's soul. When we cook food, food is attached to a soul. Everything we do is attached to a soul because the hope, the end result is that someone would say yes to Jesus. We have people inviting people to church on Wednesdays or even Sunday mornings. They'll come into our fellowship hall. They won't even come into here because they're afraid that the building is going to burn down. So they stay in the fellowship hall and then they eat breakfast and they view the service through the uh, screens in there. And we do that on purpose so that the hope is that that person who is far from God would eventually give their hearts to Jesus Christ. So it's another venue where we can invite people and then they can learn about Jesus Christ. And people have come to know the Lord through the different ways we do things. Everything we do is attached to a soul. When we say invite your family and friends and we print out invitations, even that is well thought through. And then we print those things out, hand it to you, and hope that the person who is coming to church would eventually say yes to Jesus because everything we do is attached to a soul. And if we have that mentality that everything we do is attached to a soul, then we're able to understand that the, the reason why we do things is not just for the sake of, but there's, a, there's an end in mind. And when Jesus tells this, this lawyer, that what, what, what is the context you're coming from? He's saying, well, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. This is where it's coming from. Jesus is saying, if you do that, you'll live. In other words, if you stay there, you won't because that's an end in itself. If this is not attached to a soul, a person, then that's an end in itself. But if everything you do is attached to a soul, you're going to live. Why? Because now you have a greater purpose in life than just existing for you. You have a greater purpose of existing to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and then to love your neighbor as yourself in the hopes that they too find Jesus Christ. That's part of our core values. Our core value number two that we, that we talk about is that God values all people, therefore we value all people. It's very simple. Because God values all people, we value all people. That's why we're doing what we're doing in Pune, because God values people. So we cook breakfast, we cook lunch, we cook dinner. We're here at 3.30 in the morning. A bunch of volunteers come, and you can still sign up. And if you're not being called back uh, and you signed up, then we're putting people who are new uh, and giving them the opportunity to serve. So you may get a call back if you still want to serve uh, in the weeks to come. But right now, uh, new people are coming on board, so we're trying to give them the opportunity to serve. And... As we're continuing on, we're just seeing people say, I want to serve. How can I help? How can I give? I just had a, a text message from my friend who is in California, and they just started a new church, and he said, we're going to do a Hawaiian luau, and the proceeds are going to go towards the Puna relief efforts. I'm like, this is in California. But he's hearing the Spirit of God saying, how, how can we help? The church is getting together. New Hope Las Vegas, they took up an offering. Uh, 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 our church on Oahu, Metro, with Pastor Elwin Ahu, they took up an offering and they gave. People are constantly giving. Churches are giving. And because of that, the end result and the hope is that people would find Jesus. We're not there to just cook food and, because food will never save people. In fact, food kills us. 
but food will never save people. Food in itself does not show the love of God. Just food in itself. I mean, it, it, it's great that we, we can eat, but, but food by itself doesn't love. But the people who cooked it, the people who delivered it, and the people who serve it show God's love. When Jesus multiplied the fish and bread, it wasn't the fish and bread that loved the people. It was Jesus who multiplied the fish and bread that loves people. And as we go out and as we're with people, uh, they even tell us, they say, you know, you can actually just drop it off and people can serve themselves. And we know that we can just drop it off and they can serve themselves. But our heart is, why would we want to do that? We're not in the food business. We want to be there physically to serve people. We want to sit with them and eat with them and talk story with them, get to know them and pray with them if we need to. Like, we're the light of the world. We're not, we're not the food delivery of the world. God called us to be lights. So we're not going to let our light shine, drop it off, and then let the light go in the van and come back home. We're going to stay there. So when we serve, that's a part of it. Why? Because everything we do is attached to a soul. In Luke chapter 7, we find that Jesus allows something to take place. And as he allows this to take place, there's a lesson to be learned. And this is when Jesus was anointed by this sinful woman. In verse 36, Luke chapter 7, when one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. And a woman in that town who had lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. So he came there, so she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. As she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, you know, if this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him, and he would know what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you, which is pretty interesting. The, the guy wasn't even talking to Jesus. But Jesus knew what he was saying. And so he said, tell me, teacher, what do you have to say to me? Two people owed money to a certain moneylender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back, so he forgave the debts of both. Now, which one of them will love him more? Simon replied, mm, I, suppose, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. Jesus said, you have answered correctly. I can see Simon smiling, like, all right, I got that correct. I got that correct. Kind of like tonight with the five love languages. I got that correct. Then he turned toward the woman and said to Simon, do you see this woman? Yeah, I, you know, I, I see her. Well, I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet. But she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. And that was custom. When you came into their house, in fact, the servant would do that. The servant would come and wash your feet. It wasn't even the master of the home because that's too humbling for the master to do that. So they didn't even let their servants clean Jesus' feet. Like that's how, that's how devalued they, they believed in Jesus. They didn't even value him in that way that not even my servants can wash your feet. It's kind of like you just, you're left alone. We don't, you're not, you're not worthy 
for even my servant to wash your feet. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet because that was a normal greeting. It's like when you walk into a good friend's house or a family's house, you greet them, right? And you say good evening or aloha, you do that. As a, it's a greeting. But you didn't do this. But the time I entered your house, she hasn't stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little loves little. Then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. And the other guests began to say among themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? And Jesus said to the woman, your faith has, has saved you. Go in peace. Jesus walks into the home. He could have corrected them and say, is no one going to wash my feet? Jesus could have corrected them and says, no, no greeting? Jesus could have corrected them and says, you're not going to anoint my head with oil? I mean, that's the normal things we do every single day. You're not going to do that to me? Jesus could have done that, and he would have been right. But Jesus allowed this to happen. Why? So that she might be saved. Everything Jesus does, he does with the intention that people might be saved. So everything we do is with the heart of that people might get saved. And when people walk into our church, they often, they often say this, you know, I, I don't know what it is, but I don't know, I just, I, I feel like, like God is like tugging at my heart. One person said this, and actually not just one person, a couple of people said, you know, when I drive into this driveway, I start crying. Why? And I said, it's just the love of God. It's the love of God touching your heart. Some people say, you know, during worship, I don't like worship because I just cry, so I come after worship. I don't like crying. I said, what? He said, yeah, I don't know what's going on. I said, stay. Stay during worship. That's, that's the, it's, God is preparing your heart for him to speak to you. So if you're coming and, and you're missing that, that worshipful time of singing and song because of emotions, then you're missing out on probably one of the greatest touches that you're ever going to get from the master because he wants to clean all of that out, whatever it is. So if you come to church and during worship you're crying, cry with all your heart. Just cry. Just cry. If you got to sit down and just go, if you got to, and if someone says, hey, what's going on? Nothing. If you, if you have to kind of hide it as men, right? It's like, oh, what are you doing? I'm reading the Bible. I just, if, whatever you have to do, whatever you do, don't skip out on the presence of God. Whatever you do, just stay in the presence of God and from brada to brada, let him go. <laughs> let's, let's let him go. <laughs> there, was one, there was one friend of mine who um, her husband was crying, just uncontrollably crying, just sobbing. And he's sitting right over here and just crying. And she's looking at him like, what's the matter? He goes, I don't know. I just, I don't know. I just, and big guy, I don't know. I just, all of a sudden, I just started crying. She's like, and, and we're just crying. It's a song that we're singing. And she's like, honey, let it out. Just let it out. She's like, <laughs> so I'm like, when God touches your heart, let him do it. Don't skip the presence of God. So everything we do has that end in mind. Here's the second thing. Because we want to build this culture. We want to build a culture of God's love. That's the culture we want to have. We want people to understand that God loves them no matter what. No matter what. We're going to judge people. Which in itself is something we need to correct. But God says, I, I, love, I love the world so much that I will die for it. 
You might say, I love almost all the world, and I wouldn't die for it. That's because we're human beings. So sometimes we look at other people, not with the love of God, we look at other people with the heart of man. God says, this is where you need to love me with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Why? Because you're loving people with the wrong heart. So love me with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And now you can love your neighbor as yourself. If if you have it backwards, you're not going to love people and you're going to have a hard time loving me. So let's start with loving me with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Because if not, everything we do will fail. Food will fail. There are times when we make breakfast and the rice is hard. I'm not blaming people. I'm just saying sometimes there's malfunction. Maybe the propane gas ran out. And then there's nothing worse than being here in Hawaii eating rice that is like BBs, right? It's like, oh, lao, lao, lomi salmon. Oh, we call yeah. It's like, oh, the rice. It's like it ruins everything else. So food will fail. Food will fail. Even our, even our vans, driving vans, we, we do our very best to pick people up. Sometimes we miss people. We didn't get the phone call or the message, and we, we do that, and we fail at that. And sometimes even even in service, maybe the sound, we made a mistake on the microphone or it muted or unmuted or the the video camera goes bad or something happens, wrong wrong words up on the screen. And and so these things will fail, but there's one thing the Bible says that will never fail. And what is it? Love. Love never fails. 1 Corinthians chapter 13 verse 8 says, love never fails. But, but where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. See, food is not love. Things are not love. But Jesus using all of these things and building that culture of love, now that's something to strive for. Because if we build that culture, then love will never fail. And that's why we celebrate those who say yes to Jesus. That's why we celebrate those who say, I want to get involved. That's why we celebrate when one person says yes to giving their hearts to Jesus Christ. With that yes and that love for God in everything they do, if they continue in that, then that love will never fail. Where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. These things will fail, but love never fails. I think that's why when we, when we celebrate people, especially for those who are serving, it, it goes to show what God is doing in hearts. When we're serving people, when we're serving family, when we're as fathers and as, as mothers, as we change our hearts and we're saying, Lord, I, wanna, I just want to serve well. When that happens, God is pleased. And for those of you who are actively involved here, People are finding Jesus because you serve. Now, you might be thinking, but I don't, I don't serve. I come to church, and then I leave. I don't, I don't serve. Well, you can always get involved. You can, you can get involved. There are tons of places to get involved. And it's not because we need help. It's because we want you to be a part of the bigger picture of people finding Jesus. There is no greater joy than when someone says yes to Jesus, and we've worked hard to present the gospel in such a way that people find Christ, to build that culture of love. There's no greater joy. That's why, here's the third thing, that's why we celebrate when people are saved. We celebrate when people are saved. See, here in Hawaii, we have a culture of celebration, don't we? Just think about it. This month and the next month, culture of celebration, graduation parties, 
we're going to have. So be safe, please, as we celebrate. Uh, and I just jotted some things down. I thought, what are some things we celebrate? Here are some basic things we celebrate. The baby's gender when you're having a baby. We call it a gender reveal. And so we post it on Facebook or Instagram. What are we going to have? We're going to have a baby. What, what, what is it? What the gender going to be? I don't like, I don't know. I don't like, no, I don't like, no. Well, let's do a gender reveal. Okay, and it's so creative how people do it. They, you know, either it's going to be pink or blue. So stereotypical, yeah? It's like pink is girls, blue is boys. But as we grow up, like green is my favorite color. Not me, but that might be your favorite color. So we differentiate the two between pink and blue. And then we celebrate the gender. And you have to be happy. If the, if the balloon pops and it comes out pink, you kind of go, oh, man. <laughs> oh, I want one boy. You just got, you have to celebrate that. Poof, like, oh, all right, honey, oh, right on. We're going to have a girl again. <laughs> but you, you celebrate because of the gender. And so you do that. And, and the baby hasn't even been born yet, and we're celebrating. And then baby is born. Oh, before the baby is born, we have a baby shower. So the baby shower. So we celebrate the gender. We celebrate the shower. Or Tell me why it's shower later, okay? I don't know why. Baby shower. So we do a baby shower. And then baby is born. And then one year later, how old? How old? How old? Lahanao, right? Lahanao. So baby's first birthday. We're celebrating the baby's first birthday. So we have a luau. The baby has no idea what's going on. Most of the times they're sleeping. But we're celebrating. We're like, yeah, Hawaiian food. So we're celebrating. And then first birthday is done. So what is there else to celebrate? Graduation from preschool. <laughs> so it's like, oh, my baby is three years old already, graduating. I'm going to post this. Look, my baby girl all grown up. And then if that's not enough, they celebrate again graduation. Fifth grade to sixth grade. It's like the same baby girl, same one from years ago. Look, graduating. My lele, candies, everything. Haku, or yeah. And then comes the real graduation. But by then it's like, oh, tired of this already. Just give me money and one car, and I'm good. So we celebrate graduation, we celebrate weddings, and we celebrate. All of these things, not because of the occasion, we celebrate the person. We're actually celebrating the person who is, who is going through all of this. We love to celebrate, but we celebrate because of people. Even us as husbands, we love celebrating. And we celebrate the, like, if you did the yard, we feel good about it. And, and it's like, oh, honey, nice out of yard. Yeah, good job. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it was hot today. And I went outside and saw me mowing the lawn, riding the lawn mower. It's like, yeah, good job, honey. Good job. Yeah, yeah. Hey, good toast. Toast, toast, to, toast to the yard. Or we do, we do something that oh, we paint the house. And every day we come home, it's like, oh, honey, look at the house. Nice. Yeah, yeah. Right on. High five. Yes. Like we feel good about it because we did something. We feel good. And we celebrate. But how come when the women vacuum, we don't celebrate? <laughs> like, like the, when the wives clean the whole entire house, we walk in and it's like, oh, smell good. What you cooking? <laughs> like, 
the whole house is clean. Oh, sorry, honey. Oh, And then we forget that there are people behind all of this. So here, here's what I want us to get to. Celebrate people. Look for the small things to celebrate. Why? Because everything we do, there is a soul attached to it, even in your very own family. Celebrate people. You see someone do something, even, they, even though they may wash the dishes and they always do that or wash the clothes or clean the car or mow the lawn, whatever it is, celebrate them. Even though that's their chores, just say, well done, good job. Just celebrate them. Because as we celebrate people, then we get to build people up and we get to continue that culture of love no matter where we are. And God loves it when we celebrate but nothing touches the heart of God more than when we celebrate people receiving Jesus. Like there's nothing else heaven rejoices over than when one sinner says yes to him. In Luke chapter 15, verse 7, Jesus says, I tell you that in the same way there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. What Jesus is saying is you're going to have people who are righteous, people who are going to do whatever they're going to do, but here's our mission. Here's our goal. Our goal is that people might be saved. Why? Because it, it touches the heart of God and all of heaven rejoices. All of heaven rejoices. In this season that we're in with our island and everything that is happening in our community, could it be that God gives us this opportunity that people might find Jesus Christ? This may be the opportunity, the window that God has given us to introduce people to Jesus Christ. And how does he do that? He does it when you and I love God with all our hearts, soul, mind, and strength and love our neighbors as ourselves. Can you say amen to that? I say amen to that. You can close your Bibles, put it in your notes. We're going to pray. We're going to invite the worship team to come out. We're going to pray together. You know, there are things that uh, people will do and even your, your very own family that you may never notice and things that are, you know, unseen. And there are, there are times where you, you can even, you know when you go to your closet and there, is, there are clothes that are hung up or in your drawer and clothes that are folded? I have a, I have a secret. You may not know this. And here it is. It doesn't just magically appear. Someone washed it, dried it, folded it, and put it away. When we go home and we open the refrigerator and there's food in it, it didn't magically appear. Someone worked, got paid, someone went shopping, someone came home, put the food away. It didn't just appear. When we come to a place like this, Everything we see didn't just appear. There are people who loved God, gave to him, who used the finances, and did all of this through you, the people. And right now we are in a season of helping our community. It comes back to people. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. When we worship, and we're going to sing a song tonight. And in fact, we've been learning this song. 
But as we sing this song, never forget that it comes back to people and who we are in God. Don't listen to what other people say who you are. Listen to who God says you are. You pray with me. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for this evening. We thank you for, we thank you for all that you're doing. We look to you as our God. And Lord, tonight we pray that we would be people who celebrate people because that's what you do. And so tonight, Lord, we want to glorify you. Give us a heart like yours to love you with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our mind, and all of our strength. We pray this in Jesus' precious name. And we all said together, amen.